the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, amen, we pray. Almighty God, all that we possess is from your loving hand. Give us grace that we may honor you with all we own, always remembering the account we must one day give to Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So last week was my time to pray for the monthly meeting. One of the perks of belonging to the ministerium is to pray for the Wabash City Council. I do it about every, now twice a year, maybe three times at the most. St. Paul tells us today in our reading to be generous in prayer for all people. And so this is especially true for kings and all who are in high positions. And here is why. Those governing need our prayers. For on the night of the city council, there was nothing peaceful or quiet, at least for a moment. Right after installing a new police officer for the town and a young EMT, alarms all of a sudden went off on all these official guys and beeping and booping. A silence entered the room, and six or so EMTs just got up and walked out, and then sirens were blazing a few moments later. After the commotion, of course, it went back to the chairman, which was the mayor, to kind of keep it going. And here's what went on. After all that, you knew something bad must have been happening. Council business turned back to consider a tax cut request for a downtown building. And, oh fun, the 2023 budget for Wabash. Facing crisis and dealing with money is a big part of governing. This is a stewardship from God. And yet the small catechism on reflections over private confession asks this question, have you stolen, been negligent, wasted anything, or done any harm? Now if a single Christian in examination is to consider their faultiness and stewardship with what we govern in our life. And it can be very small as a child when you get an allowance or what all the other stuff may be for retirement, however it may be. If that's just for a single Christian to have to consider in stewardship, how much does our secular times that ignore God need prayer for good governing? Nevertheless, after Jesus told the parable of the prodigal son that proved the father's desire to save the lost, Jesus, in the same context, turns from the sinners and tax collectors and the Pharisees gathered around him, and he speaks right now today right to his disciples. What you hear of a rich man and a dishonest manager. Unjust actions by a godless man yielded a short-term benefit. But it was the wisdom that Jesus emphasizes on how that happened, the wisdom on how to deal with the goods of God that would be for an eternal future. Stewards, you see, 
They redeem the time they've been given. Properly use possessions and build needed relationships from what they use. The perpetual mercy of Christ, you see, my friends, calls for service based on the higher purpose of our salvation. And so an unjust manager makes out well, doesn't he? With the lower purposes for life. First, the man had to realize that someone else was the rich man. His dishonesty, he got to a point that he thought he was the king of the castle. And the master said, turn in the account of your management. He was no lord that nobody could question, but a steward, a manager. This realization went from how he wasted his time in extravagance and he probably just, you know, did his thing. It went from wasting time to acting on whatever time he had left. I've decided what to do so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their homes. He had an epiphany, almost similar to the prodigal son who turned back to dad. He is a man who had a revelation, dishonest, but still revelation. The man took his skill of dishonesty to redirect the use of wealth that still belonged to another. He could not rely on himself for a future, so the master was his only option. And so a short time of mercy led to showing mercy to the debtors of the master. And so I remember the Kmart days, and so there was a blue light special on loan forgiveness. And the debtors still believe this man was managing the affairs of the master. Everyone looked to the mercy of this rich man, you see. The dishonest manager, the people in the community who was trusting this dishonest man, but they were all trusting the master and his mercy. And all the while, the unjust steward was probably crossing his fingers desperately that no one noticed his flinching. The stewardship Christ, you see, understand, is to emphasize about how to give credit to anyone who you can think fast. You have to give credit to anyone who can think fast on their feet. All right? When the master finds out he could not go back on the mercy shown to those who counted on him in his community, it was not the money, but the relationships then that, made, that were made because of his master that secured this man a future, a built a bridge to something better for his life. And so Jesus points out that this kind of a wisdom, this shrewdness, is what the godless are good at because they must consider this present age. When you think about only the few years you've got to live now, you're going to make it work for you, and you're going to know how to cut the corners and do what you need to do to get what you need, if that's how you perceive life. And the world does it very, very well. Yet sons of light 
Christians, the baptized, cannot follow the unjust and faithless ways of the world, but are to be wise first off to the greater mercy of God. The stewardship Christ commends holds up the higher purpose than of eternal life. That's what he's really getting at. First, being called to an account, of course, is always the law. And as master, Jesus makes this known to his disciples. Mammon or possessions can become an alternate means of salvation for Christians rather than the security that remains in the Lord's mercy. And so since sons of light are to trust in Christ alone, it means we are to redeem the time given, properly use possessions, and build those needed relationships. I tell you, Jesus says, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Jesus tells us today that there is a stewardship over all our goods and gifts, all that we have and all that we are. Nobody is Lord but God. So nothing is left out of his sight, even the 90% that you don't put into the offering plate. All of it. There's a mercy able to go out from Christians with all that we have and all that we are that the world can't give. And it's not like the transactional things or the glories aimed for by the sons of this world. Living within one's means, as we say, is a good start. Balance your checkbook. It's a good start, but... Jesus talks how unrighteous mammon has good use as service in making friends. Who are these friends that Jesus is talking about? Not the kind you buy. Probably not the ones you grew up with, though I have some good buddies. And they probably don't have a similar income but those truly needing our mercy that comes in the form of what we call charity. As the dishonest manager counts, we count on the mercy of God as we extend this out in love toward others. And that's a little bit more than giving money to the Life Center, which is a good thing from the banquet this week. But that's not the same kind of charity that's invested into your everyday life. I can write that off on the Life Center's job. It's a little bit more when it's before my life every day, what that may mean of charity to those who have been blessed with a child. So as the dishonest manager counted on that mercy, baptized into Christ, children of light already have a great security for an eternal salvation, a future. When unrighteous mammon fails, Jesus says it. It is more than what we may be worried about in terms of bankruptcy or the dollar bill not having value. What Jesus is talking about is death 
taking everything away of what we have and who we are. To leave this world, then, is to be greeted by those friends that learned of Christ and believed in him through our mercy shared toward them. And frankly, you're not going to know all of them. You don't need to. Stewardship of temporal and perishable things calls us before the needs of what the civil government and what domestic life deals with. That's what we're talking about. But there's still, these things are still lesser things of life. I know they're important to all of us. But here's the big thing. Our Lord has given more. He said, if then you have not been faithful in unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And so beyond budgets, beyond charity, is the spiritual and eternal gifts that are upheld in that pure gospel that indeed, frankly, in our culture is threatening the gospel because of mammon. It's the gift of what baptism really does that makes you a child of light. The keys of forgiveness that unlock good news to the poor. And what Christ gives to all, us, all of his body and blood. So, pastor, you say to me, this parable sounds like a contradiction because... Um, I mean, Jesus, by faith alone, is, was, was, is without works is, is all the time. What all this talk about mammon? But it's the opposite, you see. We are stewards set apart by the faithfulness of the merciful Lord. He's not done with you yet. You're still here. God is still generous to us all. And that says something about what we're going to do with what our lives are. If the dishonest manager could not rely on himself, and I know I can't, neither can we because generosity belongs to the Father having sent his one and only Son. It's the greatest treasure given to me before I had much from my parents. It's the greatest treasure that rich men learn that doesn't get affected by stock markets. For there is one God, St. Paul says, and there's one meter between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all. You sing about that in our opening hymn, the gift of what comes in Christmas with Christ for us on the cross. This stewardship of your salvation, Christ won freely and full by his perfect sacrifice. You're not going to outgive God, people say, and that's because you're not going to undo what Jesus gives by his death and resurrection. In life now flow out by our risen Lord, exceeding all forms of generosity. You're forgiven. You're free. All debtedness, more than slashed in half, are now completely undone. Children of light have relief in God. So pray for our secular leaders bound to a world in service to mammon. Luther describes life for us 
hiding beneath God's grace. Here's what it means, my friends. So the fact is, we are not without a friend or two, in particular, the true friend who can bestow heaven and salvation, our dear Lord Jesus Christ. We've adopted missionary overseas with the congregation that I bet you is the seminary there who probably operates on a budget close to what this congregation runs. They have something to teach us. And we have something to give. Count on the perpetual mercy of Christ for our service is to the higher purpose, our salvation. Amen. The peace of God that passes all understanding be with your hearts and minds richly as given to you in Christ Jesus the Lord this day. Amen. And so it's time.